If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to uh, Philippians 4, and we're going to read from chapter 10 to chapter 20. It's Philippians 4, chapter 10 to chapter 20, and uh, the words are going to come up on the screen as well. I, as Paul, rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who, strength, who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover... As you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and I've more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk about three ways to give. And the first way to give is to give deliberately. Verse 14 in the reading we heard just then the Apostle Paul says this, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. We all make decisions on giving things away all the time. You can give your time away. So if you go and see a friend, you give some of your time to going and seeing that friend. You can give your energy, like if you go for a bike ride, you give some of your energy to that bike ride. Or you can give someone a gift. And sometimes when you give someone a gift, you invest your resource in that gift. So you use some of your money to maybe buy some flour and some eggs and some sugar and you can make that person a cake and then you can give them that cake. We give things away all the time. And we can give money as well. Like if you're an employer, you give some of the company's money to your employees in exchange for their work and their time. Or maybe if you're a parent, you can give your child pocket money. And, and the thing about pocket money, it's an interesting analogy because when you give pocket money to a child, you, you don't give it to the child and then make a list of everything that you've given them. Well, you shouldn't do this. Make, make a list of everything that you've given them and then when they get a job, go, time to cough up, pay it back. You don't do that. You give your child pocket money and you don't expect anything in return. And in a way, it's like a shadow of the giving that we're talking about today. And money can be a sensitive issue. It's because money's got a tremendous power behind it. There's a huge weight behind money. And that can be for good, and it can be for bad. And it's because money reveals the heart of an issue. If you look at what you spend your money on, for example, you can tell what you're passionate about. If you look at your bank statement, and go through it, you can tell what you care about. I looked at my bank statement this morning and I was looking for the last thing that I spent on me and it was a Bakewell tart. So you can tell that cake is important to me. So that's where my money goes. 
But when you set up how you spend your money, and we all set up how we spend our money, right? Consciously or subconsciously, we all have ways of spending the money that we have or that we don't have. There's a pattern to how we spend it. And some of those decisions are made for us, like rent or water. We've just got to pay them. But some things we have to make a deliberate decision on how we spend that money. And within the spiritual discipline, if you want a word, of generosity, Christians are called to give away not just their time and their energy or to give away gifts like cake. They're, they're told to, we're told to give away some of our money too. And the best way to do that is to do it deliberately, to make a decision. In verse 14 of our passage, Paul references how the Philippian church gave to his troubles specifically. It was a deliberate decision of the Philippians to give to Paul. Now, there is a backstory here, and it seems that Paul and the Philippians, that they had history. They, they were kind of tied together. And in part, it was because of their gifts that they'd given to him, the financial support that they'd given to Paul. It tied them together, like pocket money ties a family together, it affords freedoms to a child, and the parent has a sense of, of responsibility and of letting go that strangely ties them together. That With the Philippian church and Paul, they, they were drawn together in this gift. The English use of the phrase that Paul uses, it was good of you, it doesn't quite do it justice. What Paul's saying to them is, you showed me how much I meant to you, and now you're in my heart. There's a closeness here, an intimacy almost. It's not a formula that these people are doing. It's not a giving Sunday where they just tick the box and do it. There's feeling here. There's emotion to it. And while the Philippian church is giving to Paul, they're giving deliberately as well. They've made a decision and the feeling follows that decision. So it's all wrapped up into one. They've picked an issue, it's something or someone close to their heart, and they've done it. They've made a decision, and they've done it, and it's left an impact. And, and you and me here today, we can give deliberately as well. A while ago, Helen, my wife, and I, we had some money, and we were wondering uh, what to do with it. Should we go on a holiday? We could get some nice new clothes, or maybe we get some nice new things. And we felt like maybe we should give it away. So we had a little pray and a chat about it. And we knew of a theological college in Southeast Asia that was taking in students from around Southeast Asia. It was training them up and then it was sending them out back to where they were from, trained up as pastors to serve the local church. And we felt like maybe we should give some money there. We thought that that was a good thing to give some money to. So we got in touch with the college and we asked for a list of the students and if any of them needed any support, bursaries effectively. And they gave us a list and we uh, gave them some money to cover some of the cost. And when we did that, we found that two things happened. The first thing, the money that we had left our bank account and we didn't have it anymore. It had gone. But once we'd given away, our heart got tied to that place a little bit more. We felt connected to it. 
bit more. And there's one story for me that, sh that kind of speaks of this. There's a guy who I have never met, who lives in a country that I've never been to. He's called Ben Mung, and he's trained as a pastor, and he's serving refugees in Myanmar, which is where he's, he's from. And at the time, we gave the money to uh, Ben through the college for him to train, to, for his travel costs, for his uh, academic fees, for all the accreditation that goes on with university fees. At the time, we gave some of the money, some of our money. Uh, Myanmar, where Ben was based, was a relatively safe, not entirely safe, sort of democracy. You, you could get away with different views. It was okay to be a Christian there. It was okay to be a pastor there, just about. Four months after we gave the money uh, to this college, there was a military coup d'etat in Myanmar. And the, the military took over, and it became very difficult to be a Christian. It became very, very difficult to be a pastor. And, it became, and the people were displaced all around the country. So the level of refugees went up and up and up. Because of our deliberate decision to give some money, that we, we didn't really think through the ge geopolitical consequences of our gift. A, a man is serving the church in more painful and difficult circumstances than we're in. And while we don't know Ben, our hearts are tied to his. And so today, giving, it could be to a charity or a person or church, but it's a deliberate act something that we choose to do, and we're joined together as we do it. The first way to give is to give deliberately. The second way to give is to give generously. Philippians 4.16, Paul says this, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. For the Philippians here, Paul is referencing the fact that they gave to him more than once. It was an ongoing gift. It wasn't a one-time tick that'll do. It was ongoing. The Philippian church gave generously, and Christians are to be people who give generously too. In 2 Corinthians 9.6, Paul also says, remember whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. This countercultural way that Christians give generously, it's not just pocket change. It doesn't just impact the receiver of the gift. It impacts the giver as well. So to give away, we receive as well. And at first glance, this seems foolish, counterintuitive, but it's how God works. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So if you want to get more out of your life, if you want to see God's kingdom move, then you can start by giving, by being generous, by giving away in order to gain. And this isn't to say that if you put £10 in the church coffers today, you're going to get a bonus at work tomorrow. Or if you put money in, into this charity, pull the slot machine, you're going to get new trainers on your doorstep tomorrow. That's not what this is. That's called the prosperity gospel, and that is a heresy. It's more like if you invest in the kingdom of God financially, you see the effect outworking elsewhere, and you realize that you're built for something different, something bigger than you 
just on your own. You're built for a bigger world. You're built to give away for others, not purely for yourself. And this can be true whatever your circumstances. If, if you earn a bucket load of cash or if you don't earn a bucket load of cash. And it's really worth caveating that by saying that if you're in a position where money is tricky for you, where maybe you're struggling with money or, or struggling with debt even, then please don't feel like you have to be swayed here. This is, this, is, this is not the talk for you. Please go and get some help. The first port of call I'd suggest would be a group leader or one of the pastoral team here at church. So how do we give generously? Well, there's the Old Testament principle of tithing, which... Um, which you may have come across. It's got its roots in Genesis 14, where Abraham gave a tenth of everything that he had as an offering to God. And the principle is common in lots of different churches today. And potentially it's a good starting point. But, but really here at St. Mark's, no one is going to say, give X or give Y. No one's going to tell you to give a certain amount. It's different for everyone. And the New Testament principles at work are different. There's, and they're dependent on lots of different things. And even Jesus says to the rich young ruler in Mark 10 that what he's lacking is selling everything and giving it all away to the poor. Now, now there's lots of context going on there. But what we can say is that in the kingdom of God, there isn't a limit to how much we can give. But if we see what we've been given, not necessarily as ours, but it's ours to steward to look after, and what we've been given is God's, then things change a little bit. And we see our money not as our own. We're stewards of it. Psalm 50 verse 10 says, For every animal on the forest is mine, that's God's, and the cattle on a thousand hills. And 2 Corinthians 9, 10 11 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God will supply your needs. He's going to give you what you need. And more than that, he will enlarge what he, he wants to give you. That might not necessarily be financially, but all we have to do is step out and give and trust him. And we can all do that today. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day, and he told me a story from when he was 18. And my friend, he's called Josh, and he grew up in rural Montana, which is in northwest America, northwest USA. And when he left college, he, was, um, he became a Christian uh, when he was 18, and then, and then he graduated from college when he was 18 as well. And he left college and he joined and he decided, well, he'd just become a Christian. So he decided he was quite wild when he was a teenager. He had quite a wild teenage years. Um, you can imagine that. Um, I don't need to put words in that. I think there's lots of wild things to do in rural Montana. Anyway, he, he decided he wanted to go on mission, like a Christian mission. So he found out about this quite differently but equally wild missionary organization. And he said to them, I'd like to go on mission. And they said, okay, um, we would like to send you to Kyrgyzstan. And he went, 
Never heard of it. Okay. And um, they said, well, you need to raise this amount of money. So he went to his family, to his friends, to his church family, his new church family. And he managed to raise the money. People were generous. And they gave to this slightly wild young lad who was going to this slightly wild missionary organization. They gave. They took a step of faith and they gave to him. And Josh got on a plane and he flew and he landed in Kyrgyzstan in the capital. And he met up with his team there, with the missionary organization who were based there. And him and three of the other guys, they had a, a time together and they were trying to piece together the program for the couple months that they were there. Um, and they didn't really know what to do. And like I say, they were particularly wild. Uh, they had a table with a map of Kyrgyzstan on it. And I wouldn't recommend this as a, as a guide for your life, but this is what they did. They said, Lord, show us where to go. They closed their eyes, and Josh went like this. Tell us where to go, Lord, like that. And their finger, his finger landed on a big town, a city called Jalalabad in the south of Kyrgyzstan, a 15-hour drive from the capital where they were. And they went, the Lord has spoken to us. We must go to Jalalabad. And so they went to their missionary, uh, to the mission director, and they said, um, we would like to go to Jalalabad. The Lord has told us to go there. And he looked at them and went, what? To, well, how do you know that? And so they told the story of how they closed their eyes and prayed and put their finger on a map like that. And the guy said, so you're asking me for money to go there? And he went, yeah, well, the thing is, um, we'll need a taxi to get there because we don't have a car. And the guy went, okay, so you're asking me for the fee of a taxi to drive 15 hours. Have you seen how expensive it is to get a taxi to Heathrow? I mean, 15 hours, it's got to be a lot more. And the guy looked at them and he said, he said, so you want me to give you that money from the money that you've raised? And they went, yes, please. And he went, okay. And he gave them the money, and they got in a taxi, and they went all the way to this place called Jalalabad. They landed there, and they, had, they didn't really know what to do when they were there. Um, their plan was foiled. They had no plan. And they got there, and they kind of looked around. Eventually, they found a university, and somehow they found the Christian Union at this university, which is underground. It was, it was illegal at the time there to, to have a Christian Union. So it's this underground church, effectively, in this, in this city. And, and, and they said, well, we're here from Montana, and we were just wondering if there's anything we can do. Uh, we've brought some Bibles. And, you know, is there anything we can do? And they said, well, Actually, we need some Bibles. We want to hand them out to students and pray for students. So they handed out their Bibles. They prayed for some students. They encouraged the Christians. And then they headed back to the capital city. The people in Montana, quite brazenly, quite, potentially quite riskily, it was, there was a big risk. They gave to this young lad who went off on this crazy adventure to Kyrgyzstan. Their money in Montana blessed these Christians who live a difficult life, a difficult existence. Because these Christians in Montana were generous, these Christians were blessed through it. The second way to give is to give generously, no matter what. And the third way to give is to give 
confidently. Philippians 4.18 says this. Paul says this. They, he's talking about the gifts, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. When we give, we don't just give because being deliberate is a good thing to do. It is a good thing to do. Or being generous is a good thing to do. It is a good thing to do. We don't just do it because they're good principles. They're not the whole picture. When we give, we can have confidence because as we give as Christians, our gift is a prophetic act. It points to something else. It points to a bigger gift, a more generous, a more deliberate act than we could ever dream up. The gift of God in the person of Jesus Christ who poured out his life for our salvation on the cross a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, a pleasing sacrifice to God. This giving, this kind of giving, gives our giving confidence because we know that in the cross of Christ, there's a perfect act of giving that fills our empty lives and the emptiness of our world. Our giving points to a greater gift, the gift of salvation for the whole world. While the world is creaking, while political instability reigns, we only need to turn on the news. While, while economic woes mount, as the waters rise on our planet, the call on those who call themselves Christians, <coughs> the church of Jesus Christ, us who bear the name of him, is to point to the love of God in Christ and that self-giving love, the model of the cross, at first glance, it doesn't seem natural. We feel like we should hoard, we should build more for ourselves, build things up, collect more, hoard more. But for the Christian, it is better to give, as it says in Acts, than it is to receive. It's, it's what we're made for. It's what we're built for. I love this analogy that Eugene Peterson tells of a mother bird teaching her three chicks to fly. The mother, Swallow, got alongside the chicks and started shoving them out towards the end of the branch, pushing, 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 and the end one fell off. Somewhere between the branch and the water below, the wings started working, and the fledgling was off on his own. Then the second one. The third one, however, was not to be bullied. At the last possible moment, his grip on the branch loosened just enough so that he swung downwards. Then it tightened again, bulldog tenacious. The parent pecked at the desperately clinging talons until it was more painful for the chick to hang on than risk the insecurities of flying. The grip was released and the, wind, the wings began pumping. The mature swallow knew what the chick did not, that it would fly, that there was no danger in making it do what it was designed to do. Birds have feet and they can walk. They can walk, they can cling. But their flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly are they living their best, gracefully and beautifully. Giving is what we do best. It's the air into which we were born. It's the action that was designed into us before our birth. Some people try desperately to hold on to themselves, to live for self, 
They look so bedraggled and pathetic doing it, hanging on to the dead branch of selfishness and self-centeredness, afraid to risk themselves on the untried wings of giving. Yet, many people don't think they can live generously because they've never tried it. Giving is what we do best. And while there's potentially fear to it, we're built for it. I wonder, are you on a branch right now and is God encouraging you to fly? Shall we pray? Well, Lord, thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, that everything belongs to you. But Lord, thank you that you gave it all away on the cross for us. We ask tonight that you would make that principle of giving, cross-shaped giving, real in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.